Welcome everybody to an NFL scouting combine week Monday night edition from Indianapolis, Indiana of Texas All Access. Welcome in everybody. It's John Harris alongside Mark Vandermeer. Mark, we're in Indy. How excited are you? Well, Johnny, I am. And it's funny because I saw the news over the weekend how, for instance, Green Bay not sending coaches to the combine. Of course, general managerial and scouting department types are always going to come to Indy to check out the action and activities. But it's interesting with Matt LaFleur and friends not coming and it. It makes me think that this thing is never going to leave here. And I really hope that's the case. I know you feel the same way. They're contracted to be in Indy for this year and next year, and we'll take it from there. But I don't know if this is going to become one of those tentpole events that travels around the country. I'm not so sure about that based on things we've talked about over the years. So I like it in, in, in Indy. I hope it stays that way. I've seen a couple of theories. And I think one of them has more credibility, I think, than maybe the other one. And I think one, and they kind of built together, the fact that the NFL schedule is now more condensed because you've added a 17th game, which is an extra week, which pushes, pushes the Super Bowl back. I mean, we just announced coaches on Friday. Yeah. I mean, officially. Now, who knows how, many, how often those guys have been in the building um, prior to. But because the, the schedule is that condensed, yeah, a few days, uh, it, that it's that condensed that teams are just getting to know one another as a coaching staff. So I do think there's validity to that. The other theory I heard, which I have to chuckle a little bit, was that teams were afraid that their coaches would get poached at the combine as oh. if that's the only place those things happen. It's the only place that coaches meet up with one another. I don't have, I don't buy that theory. Well, I think there's something to it in the sense of future connections, right? Or connections present that lead to future opportunities because there's a lot of hobnobbing and uh, net hobnobbing and yeah. networking that takes place at the combine. As we all know, I mean, there's a whole crowd that goes out after hours and by after hours, I mean, maybe after dinner, right? They're right. not up that late. But they're out there and they're socializing and fraternizing and getting to know each other and agents are there. And I, maybe they want to cut down on those networking opportunities. I would doubt that's the case. I think you hit on it in your first point, which is the season is condensed now. The offseason is with the extra week of regular season and the postseason being pushed back another week. And it just feels very tight. And they they do have work to do. They do have yeah. work to do in terms of evaluating what they've got, evaluating future opponents, that kind of thing. Coaches are working daily in the building. I've seen them. So if you don't send them to the combine, they might be able to get more work done. Who knows? But I th also think the combine is a good experience for the coaches to see what the players are like that they'll be coaching. And what do I always say about Gary Kubiak? What he told me, he likes to see the interaction among the players. I think even the assistant coaches seeing this sort of thing does help to a large degree. And we've seen Texans coaches coach these players in drills in the past, like Mike Devlin coaching the O-lineman, yep. for instance. A lot of people saw that one on NFL Network. I think that's very helpful to the assistant coaches. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, here's the other thing, too. And look, I, I understand completely its role in Houston and how valuable it is. And I love the fact that it's back after being gone uh, in 2020 and probably 2021, if I remember correctly. And that's the rodeo. It is chaotic. It's crazy in the <laughs> building when the rodeo is going on. So if I'm a coach going through that, I'm like, look, I'll go to the combine. Whatever work I need to do remotely, I will do up in Indianapolis 
it's too chaotic here just to get away for a week. I mean, that's, I mean, I, listen, I love going to the combine, but the rodeo uh, cookoff was what Friday, Thursday, Friday of last week. And yeah. now it ramps up every single night and it's just really, really chaotic in the building. And so to get away from that, Oh, by the way, uh, the final four follows that up. So yes. it That's goes one thing. to the next. I think the final four. All right. So the rodeo happens every year. Everybody knows right. about it. And D'Amico, that's one of the great things. One of the great things about he being the head coach, having been here before, he knows that the rodeo is a thing. And when Johnny, I want to say this to the listeners, when Johnny says chaotic, that that's a pretty strong word. I mean, it's, I, it's not it's like, busy. I'm just saying there's yeah. Busy chaotic you know implies bad. You're right. But, it's just frenetic. There's a lot of moving parts. There are but people can, all over the place. Right. You moved out of your own cafeteria. Just things get, you know, who moved my cheese sort of thing. All right. So the rodeo, I want to paint the picture here. The rodeo takes over the Texans team cafeteria, but the team is still in there, right? Yeah. So they're just eating different food for a few weeks. And sometimes it's not exactly the high performance athletic meal <laughs> by Lad and Jacob. Yeah. And- staff it's more like uh hey, let's have a burger and i think this time of year that's okay but they still have some healthy options as well i think they've worked together to sort of change that rodeo menu over the years but also to paint this part of the picture when you're in the building every day because we have a lot of offices here business operations and everything involved with that and football operations and they can still work in their offices just fine all their meeting rooms are available to them but one of the interesting things is sound check in the afternoon, which is a super cool thing of being that's, an yeah, that's true. Yeah, during yeah. the rodeo. Yeah. I remember Bruno Mars. I walked out there through the tunnel and I saw Bruno Mars doing a sound check and they were playing some different stuff because you know, they do a million sound checks on tour. And they were just like, all right, let's play a tune by somebody from the seventies. And then, you know, they're heavily influenced by that anyway, but I love that kind of thing where you hear the sort of thumping in the building in the afternoon. Now it might not be great for total concert concentration for some but that's just one of the dynamics of being here and it's super cool to have the rodeo but i get what you're saying it's not it's not the regular football work environment that we're used to most of the year right and that in and of itself is chaotic because you know how coaches are they yeah they're they're even more so ad not add but um totally focused and locked in hyper focused if you will um and once you kind of throw, and you see that with me, I mean, I'm a former coach. I mean, you see that with me. I mean, yeah. somebody sits in my chair that shouldn't be. I'm like, wah, <laughs> you know, I start, to, I start to lose my mind. You know how that goes. Now, that all being said, as scheduled, I'm going to make sure I say this as scheduled because things can change. But mm-hmm. we are on track to have General Manager Nick Casario on with us tomorrow night and yeah. Head coach D'Amico Ryan's on with us. First time on Texans radio as the head coach on Wednesday. That's the schedule. Tuesday, Wednesday. Nick's going to meet with the media Tuesday. D'Amico's going to meet with them on Wednesday. Uh, and we'll have that as it as it's scheduled right now. I know I got some tweets last week like, hey, where's D'Amico? I thought you said D'Amico's going on. And because the coaching staff was not fully official until Friday, and we were scheduling that on Wednesday. He wanted to push it, and that's fine. Um, it was just made made a lot of sense at that point. Now he can talk about the coaches. He can talk about what's been going on. And so D'Amico will join us Wednesday. Nick will join us on Tuesday. So that is the schedule as of right now. And, again, it can't change. It's a combine. It can't change. But just so you know, that's where it sits at this point. So, Mark, let's get into the combine a little bit. And I'm not okay. from a standpoint of – 
I'm going to ask you to comment on this guy. I'm going to ask you to comment on this guy. But what I want is I want to go by, in some sense, position and mark our level from zero to 10, 10 being we are watching every single second, zero meaning, yeah, it's not, it, it's on. I'm watching F1 formula to drive on Netflix by position. Now, one thing about the combine this year, if you've been following it the last how many ever years, it's always been the same. It has been offensive guys go first, typically O-line, then quarterbacks, then running backs, wide receivers, then the defensive guys, big guys, and they finish with the fast uh, defensive backs. That is completely flipped this year. The corners and safeties will jump out to shoot. They'll be the first ones. Then they'll go to the big guys, linebackers. Then they'll move into the offensive guys. Now, part of that could be the fact that I believe that puts the quarterback's workout on a Saturday, which could bring more eyeballs. There's one quarterback choosing not to throw. We'll get to that in a little bit. So as it's flipped, either way, I want to talk about as we see them come in the building, Mark, I want to hit your level of I'm interested or we should be interested in this group and this is why. So give it a number of zero to 10. Let's start with the best and deepest draft class of cornerbacks maybe that we've seen what's your level of interest from zero to ten well as it pertains as it pertains to texans needs how you see them yeah i as a need johnny i would put it somewhere around a five or a six because you do have players under contract who can help you here and a lot of people would say look if you improve the pass rush right and they did get pressure on occasion and they got they had some big pressure moments last season like Blake Cashman sacking Patrick Mahomes in overtime that's <laughs> yeah. a pressure moment yeah but they need more consistency there we all agree and they need health too i mean if grenard is healthy if grenard can play 15 of 17 games Imagine how much better your overall pass rush is, right. but you can't count on that right now. And unfortunately he's in that stage of his career where you're thinking, all right, is he going to be able to stay healthy or not? So I would say that when we look at the back end, when we look at corners, I'm going to put it in the mid range because I think they're going to find a corner, maybe draft a corner, maybe two, but they'll draft a corner, but not as high as you would think. But here's the thing you mentioned. It's a deep class. Let's say one of your picks in the third round comes up and there's somebody that just dropped Yeah. that. And I, I can't give you a name, but there's somebody that dropped. There was supposed to be a first round guy, like a Justin Reed at safety back right. in 2018, that type of thing where, Oh my gosh, look, this guy's available right here. I think you have to take him now. Maybe you didn't address a need earlier and look, we don't know how the draft is going to play out to that point, but I can't give it a number higher than a six right now. I agree with you from that standpoint. And I think you laid it out perfectly. That's exactly what I would look at. And I think this is going to be the hard part because you're going to be enticed by a lot of corners because not every team is going to have a priority of corner early in his draft. And yet there are that many that can go early in this draft. And, you know, within the top, you know, 70, you know, two picks, which is going to leave a pick, say at 73, where you're like, man, I'm looking at a guy that we have an early second round grade on and we're now midway through or close to midway through the third round. I mean, boy. Okay. And then you start asking yourself, okay, can that guy play a different position? Can I, you know, then you start bringing all that in, but you're going to be enticed by this corner group. I'm with you. I think that's the exact number. Mine is mine is right there at six. And that's um, where you know that teams do draft based on need. And I think Nick admitted this in a certain way because 
if the situation plays out the way you just described, yet you have a tremendous need over this other area, right? And there's a player that's kind of right there on your board. You're going to take that player, right? Even though somebody tremendous for you, like or or ranked higher, early second round uh, grade, is dropping to the third round. You got to address that need. Now, look, if you didn't, it didn't address it in free agency, that's when you really need to take a close look like right there. So yep. a lot of different things can play out. And to that point, if there are that many good corners, you probably can get one fourth, fifth round, two that could give you second, third round value. So yep. you can also just wait. And again, we've heard Nick say this, too. He, you know, it's supply and demand. I mean, it's simple economics, yep. draft economics, if you will. All right, let's go to safety. Zero to ten. Level of intrigue, level of excitement, thoughts about safeties as they head to the combine. Now, it's not as deep a class at safety, but there are going to be plenty of these corners that you could potentially move to safety, but just the safety group in general and your thoughts on where it sits priority-wise for Texans 0-10. to 10. I think this is an 8. Now, it's not an 8 in terms of we got to go for this in, in round 1 at pick number 12 but it's an eight relative to its own position group, which is usually a group where you don't draft a player that high, right? right. There's a Kyle right. Hamilton out there in the world or something like that. That changes things for teams. But I think based on Jonathan Owen's situation, uh, of course you have Petrie who you're very excited about, but I think this is an eight. Now, if I have to rate it against every other position group or position of need for the Houston Texans, Johnny, I might slide that down to a 7.5, but I I'm betting you're kind of with me here. It's yep. just that safety is a different kind of position uh, as it applies to the draft and draft value. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, I agree with you. Linebackers. Off the ball linebackers, not edge rusher linebacker types. Stack linebackers. You know, Christian Harris, uh, Christian Harris, Christian Kirksey. Wow, I just put it together. We had two Christian. Okay, wait. Sorry. I don't know why that just hit me. Um, Christian Kirksey, Christian Harris play off the ball. Those kind of guys. Level of intrigue about linebacker. I'm going to go seven, 7.5 here because okay. I don't know what D'Amico thinks of Blake Cashman. And he signed an extension actually during the season right. and Jake Hansen and how they fit in. Those are good players. They made plays last year. Harris, obviously entering year two, fairly high draft choice. I don't know how he feels about the whole group, but I would put it around a seven. How about seven? Let's just stick with that. Your thoughts. I'm going to go up a little bit. I'm going to go eight. I the one thing about linebacker when you think about D'Amico's run with San Francisco, they didn't put a high, they didn't put a high draft pick on a linebacker. Fred Warner was a third rounder. Uh, uh, Aziz Al Shair was a fifth or sixth rounder. Dre Greenlaw was a sixth rounder, uh, and those guys turned into <laughs> first round, second round talents uh, playing a linebacker. So I think that. You're right, number-wise for the Texans. I think they're going to look at linebacker and say, hey, we can we can maximize our value at linebacker. We're going to be okay. Whatever, whoever we get, we get a guy in the fourth, fifth round, we'll make him a second or third round type player. But I do think that position has to play better. And regardless of Kirksey or Harris, whomever's coming back, that position has to play better. Now, is there a bump from Chris Kiffin coming in and being a linebacker's coach? Yes. Is there a bump from D'Amico Ryan's? Former Texas linebacker knows the position extremely well being head coach. Yes, but they still have to improve the, the talent at that particular position. That role in the 49ers defense, what we saw there, was major. I mean, it was major. Even though they didn't put a, a high draft profile on it, 
it was of major importance of what those guys were asked to do. So I'm going to make linebacker an eight. All right, let's go to interior defensive line. Big dudes. Your thoughts. Zero to ten. I'm going to put it at a nine. Good number. Maybe even 9.5 here, Johnny. You got to get a lot better there. You got some good guys. I'm not yeah. saying you don't, but what is the NFL right now? It's a rotational game. We get so hung up in who starts and everything like that, right, right. where you have guys coming off the bench, so to speak, making plays throughout the course of a league year all over the NFL, all over the NFL. You have yep. tremendous contributions from people off the edge in particular, but even in the interior and those guys need to get spelled. So I'm going to put it at nine, nine and a half right here. You got to be much better against the run and take it from there. Yeah. You're, you're dead on. And plus big guys are always funny. Big guys are always funny. They always have good things to say. I always like hearing from these guys and there's, there's going to be some beef. Uh, and some athleticism coming at that big, uh, that big, big spot. Mozzie Smith from out of Michigan, Siaka Aika from out of uh, Baylor, uh, formerly of LSU. Of course, Jalen Carter. Carter will not work out at the combine, but he'll do all the interviews, uh, both media and team. So we have that to look forward to as well. All right, I think edge is the last position. Yeah, defensive ends, outside linebackers, edge rushers, edge players. Level of interest nine. Yeah. I got a, I got a nine here, maybe nine and a half. Got to get better in the pass rush. This defense is going to be different. There's no Bosa on this team. Uh, D'Amico, I'm not saying, oh, he's used all this great talent. Look, he got a lot out of the talent. Like you just pointed out, some guys not drafted that high. He's coached them at linebacker and then seen them flourish in his defense as coordinator there. And it's not just based on what he's done in San Francisco. He probably has a billion ideas about offense that we don't know about. But I need more fortification at the edge on defense. Let's go. It's a nine, nine and a half. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the defensive line is going to be that day really to kind of get an earful from some of the, you know, obviously Jalen Carter, Will Anderson Jr., Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Now, I don't know how much Tyree Wilson will work out. That injury that he suffered um, at the end of the 2022 season, we'll see where that puts him, whether he can work out or not. But that, I think, is going to be the most interesting day to me. Now, offense, well, you're going to have to wait for that. We're going to do that on the other side. One is a 10 for me, shockingly. But what about the rest of the offense? We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris, Mark Vandermeer from Indianapolis, Indiana, getting ready for the deluge to happen on Tuesday. Like I said earlier, Nick Casario will join us on Tuesday. D'Amico Ryan's. On Wednesday, that is as scheduled. If it changes, we will let you know. We'd like to get both of them on. Um, as we do every single year, we get general manager and head coach on from the combine when there is a combine and when we have both a general manager and head coach. Luckily, we have all three this year, and so that's going to make it fun. So we have been going through the defense priority as it pertains to the combine. How interested are we or should we be? in those positions when they come to the combine. Well, it's flipped. The defense going first, so that's what we did first segment. Offense is coming in second, and that means we start with quarterbacks. Mark, 0 to 10. Ooh. I don't even know if we can go higher than 10. Ooh. What's our intrigue level of the quarterbacks at the combine? 10. Yeah, 10. Well, you're talking about, and I want to be straight with this, in it's organizational intrigue, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, right. And, right. And us as well, but yeah, yeah. it's a 10. Come on. You have the number two yeah, pick yeah. in the draft. You need to get better at quarterback. 
I love the Davis Mills post this weekend that he was getting good at pickleball. He didn't put that up. His mom did. All right. <laughs> Mom's on social media. And most yeah. people wouldn't see this, but I follow his mom. So that's that. Uh, you know, and I, I really want him to get better as well. I mean, how can you not want him to get better and continue yeah. to improve? But you have the number two pick of the draft. We all know what this is. The level of intrigue interest is a 10 in Indy for quarterbacks. Okay, easy enough. Yeah, 10. Uh, 10 plus. Running backs. This gets interesting. I'm going to go back to corners. And obviously, you got to have two corners to play, and you want to have some depth. It's a really intriguing cornerback draft. Running back doesn't have – well, it's got a Bijan. After that, it's got a bunch, a bunch of running backs. I don't think any of them are first-round talents, but never know. But, man, there is so much depth in this running back class as it goes to the combine. Mark, 0-10 to 10 on the running backs. I'm going to go five and a half. I oh, have man. No, all right, look. Landon Locker just drove his car off into the ditch. I am interested in seeing the running backs, but I'm talking about – I'm going to rank this in team need intensity, yeah. all right? Now, you definitely need help at running back. You mm -hmm. have to get better at running back as a group, and Pierce did get hurt. We have to acknowledge that. But you do have Pierce. Already you have one of the best running backs in the NFL, all right? A top 10 guy. I don't know where you want to put him, but yeah. you can – have Pierce in your offense and feel very good about them. Build your offense around him. That might be too strong a statement. Anyway, I definitely want running backs. But as far as all my other needs, Johnny, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna put it, maybe I should raise it to a six, six and a half as I think about this because I prepared so hard for this segment. <laughs> but, but like you said, it's deep. They're going to draft a running back. I'm yeah. a Duke Vaughn guy. Maybe somebody else as well. But I also have other positions that have – a greater need than running back at this point. I'm not saying I'm abandoning it. Yep. At well all. said. No, I, I, I get it. Uh, I'm with you. I think six and a half, seven is probably, probably about right. All right, let's go to wide receivers. Mm. Again, wide receiver, wide receiver and tight end are interesting always because mm. wide receivers are just, there's this potpourri of wide receivers. You got your six, four guys, you got your five, seven guys. You got your mid all round guys. You've got short guys that go deep. You've got short guys that are just catch and run. You got big guys that are slow. You got big guys that can fly. You got all kinds of wide receivers, but just overall wide receivers, zero to 10 organizational priority heading to the combine. What do you think? 8.5. Hmm. Okay. This is, yeah. yeah, maybe Landry's really going to hate this one that I ranked running backs like two full points plus yeah. below wide receivers. But I don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Cooks, but I know what he wanted to happen at the trade deadline. I do right. know that. That's very public. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I know that Nico's gotten hurt a bunch, and I hate that because I love Nico and I want to see him flourish. But you've got to get better in this group. I mean, you got to get a lot better. Yep. You have a lot of talented players right there, a lot of draft capital. I've got an 8.5 at this position group. We got to go big at wide receiver and not necessarily size big, although there are a lot of big guys like you pointed out. But I have an 8.5. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. 8.5 or 9. Uh, I I feel like, and, and it's hard, having been on the sidelines, um, for a meet of my career on the sidelines, I watched Will Fuller when he was healthy, completely change games. And that speed, that game-changing speed that I, I call Will Fuller fast receivers, there there are a few of them in this draft. And I just want to see – I want this team's speed to improve. And I think that's one of the things that 
sort of gets lost when we talk about the 49ers or we talk about versatility and the type of offense. That team was fast. That team was quick and fast at every skill position. I mean, they could fly. Kittle could fly. Uh, Brandon A. Ayuk could fly. Debo wasn't the fastest dude, but his his short area quickness and toughness was a, was a premium. And obviously, Christian McCaffrey can absolutely jet. One of the fastest running backs in the league. So this team's got to get faster. And it's got to get faster at the skill positions. All right, let's move over to tight end. Because it sort of merges with wide receivers, depending on what tight end you're looking for. Zero to 10. Tight end, Mark. All right, so tight ends with the Houston Texans organization is always a 10, Johnny. It's 10 and a half. <laughs> it's 12. These go to 11. <laughs> tight ends, Johnny. Come yeah, on. Yeah, okay. Think about it. Throughout yeah, the course of Texans history. Is there any water polo prospect in this draft? No, but there, anybody- but there is a skier. There is a skier. Mm. Is a oh, skier. And that's he's right. number 13 on the Harris 100, and he's a super stud. Uh, that's your Oregon. I don't want to. I don't want to unveil it, but you know, it's Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. Yeah, he's a. He was. I mean, imagine six foot six, two hundred fifty five pounds slaloming down a hill don't in do Vail. By the way, Musgrave, it's time to stop with the shushing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You cannot do that anymore. All right, I'm going to put tight end at. Uh, I'm going to put it at an eight because. Yeah, that's a good number. Good number. I don't know where it's going with this offense. I know Aikens fits into almost any offense. Yeah. Right. He's not getting any younger. Uh, I did like what I saw from Quatoriano last year. All right. That was good. That was very encouraging. Yep. Great he start. Came into the lineup, Philadelphia yep. on down, and he got hurt again, right? Then I had to come back again. Yep. Man, 17 games. It just feels like forever. These guys go in and out of the lineup, but that's just football also. Uh, but I do believe they'll be looking for somebody else in this draft in addition yeah, I, to whatever they end up with in free agency and so forth. I'd love to see Antigan finish the year like he did with that game against the Colts. Uh, that was that was a great way to finish what had been kind of an up-and-down season due to injury, but I thought it was a really great start. It was a great finish. Hopefully they can bring Jordan Aikens back on a deal that the team's happy with and he's happy with. And that, that would be a great start right there. Then at that point, you have your options because this is a pretty interesting uh, tight end draft. All right, let's go to tackles because I think this – Discussion might be quick. Offensive tackle, zero to 10. This is the one group where I'm going to put it below a five. And okay. it's the only position group on the Texans roster other than specialists right. where I'll put it below a five. You know, if we're doing Chiefs radio here, quarterback, uh, one and a half. Right, right, right. right. You, you, know, you, you need to replace Chad Henney at backup, and you're not going to do that with a rookie. Or maybe you do draft a project. Who knows? But you get my drift here. Yep. Uh, you have certain teams where – at certain position groups, their level of intrigue and interest at the combine is going to be so low. They're going to follow everybody, though. You right. And here's the other thing about evaluating players at the combine, and we'll talk to Nick about this on Tuesday night. You're storing acorns for later, for Absolutely. free Absolutely. Yeah, we talked to that guy at the combine. Remember him? We really loved him, but we didn't need him or we couldn't right. draft him or whatever. And now he's available to us. And look how his career has gone. So let's take him now. So I'm going to put tackle at uh, below a five. I'll say three. Four. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I don't want to say if you go to negative numbers, go to negative numbers. Now, obviously, you have to be prepared for the future, but I think you hit it exactly, exactly right. You get your information. And Nick says this a lot. And I'll make sure I reiterate this because I think sometimes this gets lost. They study, evaluate everybody. Doesn't matter whether they have a shot at them or not, or going to, or, or on draft night, or even thinking about it. They evaluate everybody. And they're going to be evaluating the interior offensive line. Mm-hmm. Zero to 10, Mark, organizational priority, your thoughts. 
this is a nine. Yeah. This is this is high. Obviously center. And then I look at guard, okay? All right, so you drafted Kenyon Green. A.J. Can played last year. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, Chris Strasser knows all about A.J. Can. He's been in the division, so he's he understands the work of A.J. And I'm not sure how they feel about him. You know, A.J.'s good, signed last year. But where do they feel like they can get better at guard? How do they feel like they can get better at guard? You're always going to need more offensive linemen. We all know that anyway, injuries and, and whatnot. But I, I think that that's an interesting spot. And obviously center is a very high level of interest. I don't know if a rookie can fill that spot, but we'll see, you know, they've got all this capital, so they're going to want to use it. Absolutely. I think you're, you're dead on. I wouldn't be opposed to spending some cash, putting some greenbacks into the interior offensive line and draft priority. I have no issue with that. Um, for as good as the two tackles were, the interior was not that last year across the board. Um, and it needs to get better. And if Kenyon takes his game where we think it can go, where it was prior to his injuries, and A.J. Can I thought was solid, and they can find better center play, consistent center play, then I think an offensive line is going to be right where Chris Strasser wants him to be and where Bobby Slowick wants him to be. You know, it's interesting. I got to say these coaches out loud, Mark, mm -hmm. because I'm getting used to <laughs> – I was so oh, yeah. used to who the coaches were. Now I've got to think through, so I got to say it out loud – Bobby Slowick, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, uh, Chris Strasser. Well, think about it like this. This is another regime, right? Yeah, and we've totally. had three brand new ones in the last three years. Some carry over, obviously, oh. on defense, especially when Lovey Smith was named head coach yeah. last year. But when you look at three different O-line coaches in three years, well, really four and four years because you're yeah. going back to the last Bill O'Brien year, uh, that's a lot of guys for us to get to know. But it's cool, and we'll do it. And I just have a feeling this staff – the way they're setting it up, I've got a more Kubiakian feeling about this whole thing. That you're laying <laughs> yeah. foundation here. There are going to be changes along the way. There always sure. are. But that they're building something for a long time here, and it's going to be fun to watch develop. And in relation to the combine, you know, we're talking about tight end. Uh, I think this is a good story for us. Show meeting, story meeting. Johnny, story on players, and this is for after the combine, players the Texans have had that never went to the combine. Players that actually did good things for the Texans that didn't go to okay. a combine. I don't think it's a, a list that that's long. That's that long. Uh, Ryan Griffin comes to mind immediately. Yeah. Was not invited to the combine. Ended up drafted in the sixth round and had a good career. You know, I mean, really solid. Sixth round draft choice. That's yeah. strong. Yeah, very much so. They're, they'll be playing. I, I got to think on that a little bit. I got to think on that. There was one that almost didn't go to the combine. He was the last quarterback taken or selected to go to the combine in 2011 how'd that work out for tj yates mm. so we'll get you on that a little bit later one of the quarterbacks at the combine that will get a lot of scrutiny is will levis let's learn more about will levis through the eyes ears and mouth of dp sidhu next right here on texans all access we got one final segment of this edition of texans all access from indianapolis indiana as the combine is here and we are at the Combine, John Harris getting ready to, I don't know, what are we going to do in Indy tonight? I don't know, probably go back and do a little draft analysis, trying to see who's on my list of players to study, so I got that. Probably got a bite to eat, but quarterbacks are coming soon, and that means Will Levis in Kentucky, one of the more polarizing prospects in this draft. D.P. Sidhu caught up with Vinny Hardy, covers the Kentucky Wildcat football program for the Believe Podcast. D.P., take it away. Joining me this week, Vinny Hardy. He covers the Wildcats and hosts the Believe in Kentucky podcast. We're talking Kentucky draft prospects. How's it going, Vinny? 
I'm doing good. Glad to be on here. Thank you so much for having me. I know we don't really talk about Kentucky draft prospects too often, but there's a big one in this year's draft and it's big because he's a quarterback. and He's also physically very big. So let's talk a little Will Levis. I mean, he transferred to Kentucky as a junior, becomes the starting quarterback, the team captain, but he'd only played like two games in three years at Penn State. So take us back to that time where Levis joins Kentucky and how he just sort of immediately became the starter. What did they see in him? What did they like about him that really solidified that spot for him? Like Liam Cohen came in from the Rams as the offensive coordinator and that kind of zeroed in on him as the guy. Like you mentioned, he had been at Penn State. Kentucky actually beat Penn State, you know, in that Citrus Bowl while Levis was a freshman. Uh, Clifford was there forever and he was, you know, not ever going to really beat him out. So he transfers in kind of behind the eight ball. He didn't play spring ball kind of late, learned on the fly, picked up the system earned the job and just kind of took the reins from a leadership standpoint. He was able to display that arm. He'd been primarily a runner at Penn State. Nobody really saw him throw the ball except for a few little glimpses here and there. The offense kind of clicked. They had a good offensive line, a good running back. Basically just one receiver, Wondell Robinson, who caught 100 balls. He's with the Giants now, but they they scored a lot of points. Stoops is always going to play good defense. They won 10 games. They beat Iowa in the bowl game and you know, just had a, a really good year on and off the field. His personality kind of, you, know, you saw him on TikTok eating a banana with the peel and all. That kind of put him on the map from the get-go. Then he put mayonnaise in coffee and drunk it. So he's, that you know, so that kind of thing off the field and then the way he played on the field, it was just, just a really a good combination. I'm definitely going to get to some of those personality quirks because I love stuff like that about draft prospects. But let's talk about just how he plays. I mean, 6'4", 230. He's got the size that everybody wants in an NFL quarterback. What are some of the, the biggest strengths of his game and how has playing in a pro-style offense really helped further develop his skill set? It was great. With Cohen coming in from the Rams, NFL guy, that's where he aspires to be. He's going to check all the boxes. Like you mentioned, 6'4", 230. Rocket arm, you know, got franchise quarterback written all over him, played for an NFL guy. A lot of people want to judge year two versus year one. If you look on the surface, they have an argument, but there's, you know, layers to, you know, the difference in the numbers. But he's got all the intangibles, you know, he can, he can run. He's not Lamar Jackson, but he's not afraid to run. If you Google the Blaze Aldridge from Missouri, where he's not afraid to run, not afraid of contact. Google that. Texans fans will like seeing him lower the shoulder on a linebacker and, and win that collision. Win healthy, which he was in the first year. That's another difference in the drop in numbers as well. He can he can do it all. Uh, he may hold on to the ball a tad. Interceptions were a little bit high in year one. To me, those who want to judge him on year two, there was an offensive coordinator change. Rich Gangarello comes in from Denver. Liam Cohen went back to the Rams. You, you can't blame him for wanting to go back to the Rams. I will lean towards what you saw in year one and I always wonder, what if we had had year two of mm -hmm. Levis in this Liam Cohen offense? Because they had more receivers. Like I mentioned, he, he had Wondell Robinson was the only receiver. They had better receivers coming in. He could have spread the ball around, had more weapons. So we'll never know what could have been if he had had year two. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually going to ask you about that because of the the drop, a slight drop in his numbers, but just 
his overall performance in year two, it seems like he never really found his rhythm as a passer. A lot of people talked about the inconsistent throws, the short throws. Can you blame all of that on injury and change in offense? Or is that really something that NFL teams need to be concerned about when they're interviewing him and going through this process? I think if you combine it all, the coordinator change, it just didn't fit. They hoped it would be as seamless as possible. And it was just kind of square peg, round hole all year. The offensive line, it was it was bad. You lost Darren Kennard at right tackle, who's with the Chiefs, who just won a ring. Luke Fortner played center from the jump for Jacksonville. You Texans fans saw him twice a year as mm-hmm. a rookie on that offensive line. So the offensive line took a big hit, took a big step back. Texans fans may remember David Carr's first year. He got sacked a billion times. That's yeah. kind of what Levis had going on. He was he this the line couldn't block. They couldn't get the running game going. Chris Rodriguez running back was suspended for a third of the season, missed the first four games. So it was just so many things that just, it was a slog. Nobody ever got on the same page. There was never a flow of any consistency for a long time, for for any length of time at all. It was always something. So it it didn't fit. He, He never had time to throw. He was beat up. He missed the South Carolina game. Shoulder, foot, it was, you know, this, he, he was just beat to death. Offensive line was terrible. They still won seven games, which at Kentucky, you've, you look historically, sometimes it'll take two or three years to win seven games. So <laughs> for a down year to still win seven games in spite of all that, it worked out as best as it could, I guess. I mean, there's definitely still talking about him as a very high draft prospect as far as quarterbacks are concerned. I'm intrigued by his personality. You mentioned a few of the stories that we've heard. I even see it on his scouting profiles, puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Like, I guess th- these are things that teams are now aware of as just like another footnote to his list of stats. He also had a 4.0 GPA. He had offers to Ivy league schools. I mean, give us a sense of his personality as something maybe that really stands out to you about uh, your time and uh, covering him. Fiery competitor financial guy he's already you know doing nil stuff and looking Mm. to be you know investing and all that kind of stuff looking down the road from that standpoint kind of wise beyond his years to be you know early 20s from as far as that goes quirky and fun loving like we mentioned with with the the banana just just eating it whole uh you had fans at kroger field coming in banana suits and sitting in the stands i love it you had the uh the sideline reporter Alyssa Lang for the SEC Network doing one of her sideline reports. She's attempting to eat a banana with the hole and all the peel and all because <laughs> he's, he's stirred all this stuff up. The He's going to get a banana deal. Watch. Yeah, he's going to get yeah. a banana NIL deal. <laughs> the mayonnaise and the coffee, which was a lot of people tried it. It was, it was nasty, as you would yeah. think. Mm-hmm. But people tried it. There's a picture he had after the season was over, like an aerial shot. He's in a pool. And if it's a girlfriend or the young lady who's with at the time, the pool, they're in rafts with the shape of an upside down L, which is what you do to troll Louisville, the main okay. rival. Like yeah. in Texas, everybody goes horns down. If you want to mess with Louisville, you go L's down. So okay. they took the L's down in the pool with the way their rafts were aligned <laughs> together. So he's not afraid to have a good time, but at the same time, he never let that overtake what the main thing was, was about being the quarterback, being the leader, being the face of Kentucky and eventually being the face of whatever team drafts him. What I'm getting out of this is he's going to be a lot of fun to cover. 
and he's got a 4.0 in trolling. That's fantastic. Yes. I was just going to say, so if it's, you know, those duels with, with Trevor Lawrence or, or whoever it is, if he's in that AFC South, it'll be fun if he's poking and getting, you you know, Texans fans riled up for these division games coming up. All right. I, that would be a lot of fun. All right. I was going to say, before I let you go, what about some other Kentucky prospects that we should have our eyes on for this year's draft? Kedron Smith at corner. He transferred in from Ole Miss. Carrington Valentine put his name in the draft. He played DB as well. I was kind of surprised to see him leave, but you, know, you can kind of look out and see what he does as well. Those are probably the main two guys. You're going to have Levis as well. But those would be the ones I would uh, kind of keep my eye out for. All right, we'll have to watch out and see. Vinny Hardy covers the Wildcats and hosts the Believe in Kentucky podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Hardy, H-A-R-D-Y. Vinny, appreciate the time and the insight. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me, DP. Thank you very much, Vinny and DP, for joining the show from Indianapolis. DP's here in Indy. Drew, the whole whole crew is here. Can't wait uh, for everybody to get rolling on Tuesday when Nick Casario will join us and D'Amico Ryans will join us on Wednesday. Now, they're scheduled to change. They might have things going on, but that's the way it sits right now. Nick on Tuesday, D'Amico on Wednesday. Cannot wait to catch up with both of those gentlemen right here in Indianapolis. A big thanks to Vinny, to DP, to Mark, to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.